Hello? Oh, boy. I'm going to be limited. That's okay. Here we go. Second Peter. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you and in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. So that, boom. Did you see that? I talked about the divine power and then the power came on. Come on. Woo! So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble." For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, you have a word today for our congregation, for your church in this country. And I just pray that you would hide me, that you would come in your authority in your power, in your gentleness and do the surgery that we need. We love you, we praise you and we open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. So the title of the message today is Transformed Lives. Leo Tolstoy said this, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks about changing himself. When we were at No Regrets, our men, um, Gordon McDonald was one of the speakers, and he began his message by telling a story of a missionary, E. Stanley Jones. He was a missionary in the 19th century to India, very successful missionary, converted many Muslims and many Hindus, and every year he would have this conference where he'd bring all the converts together for a weekend of discipleship, and to to cut down the costs, everybody that came got a job, so they wouldn't have to hire those things out, and um, so every, when, when people came, they got what their job was going to be for the weekend. Well, this one guy comes to East Stanley Jones and he says, uh, he says, sir, there's, there's a mistake. Um, I'm a Brahmin. A Brahmin is the top ca- caste in India. And he said, and I have been given a job to clean the bathrooms. He says, Brahmins don't clean the bathrooms. And East Stanley Jones says, well, I thought, but I thought you were converted to Christ. He said, I am converted to Christ, but I'm not that converted. <laughs> we're starting a series. I think it's going to be, I think it might be like 10 weeks. It's Second Peter 1, 1 through 11, called Transformed Lives. God wants us to be that converted. So I want to begin by talking about the circumstances that Second Peter is written under. P- 
Peter is going to die soon. Uh, in verses 14 and 15, he says this, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent at any time, at any time after my departure, so that any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. He is about to die. He, he is giving his final Words, his final truth, and what he speaks in this letter is of the utmost importance, not just for then, but for now. He introduces himself as a servant of Jesus Christ and as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is first and foremost, like all of us, bondservants of Christ. We belong to him. We are serving him. But we all get different assignments. And he has been given this assignment. He is an apostle. And he is calling on his apostolic anointing and position as he writes this letter. He is very troubled about something. He's very concerned about something. People have changed the gospel. And here's how they've changed it. Instead of the gospel changing us and having a gospel that takes us as we are but doesn't leave us as we are, it it changes us, it transforms us, it works in us. Peter says some false apostles, some false teachers, some false prophets have have crept in and they've changed the gospel. And they've, they've said the gospel doesn't need to change us. That the gospel gives us justification and we can live however we want to live. And this whole book is about it. First Peter, his first letter that he wrote, was about the attacks from outside the church. It's all on suffering. It's about all of these attacks that are coming, and if you respond the right way, you can have joy in your suffering. And it's all about being born again and desiring the milk of the word of God as newborn babes and growing up. And don't be put off by the suffering. There's going to be persecution when you're Christian. But this second letter is an attack not from outside the church, but from inside the church. And it is is corrupting the church. So he's, he's calling on his apostolic anointing and position. 2 Peter 3 15 and 16, he he says, And remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with the other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. People are taking Paul... They're taking grace and they're twisting it and making it some, say something that God never intended it to say. They are, in 2 Peter 2, he says they're promising you freedom. They're calling it freedom. That you're free to do whatever you want to do, live however you want to do. But this, this quote, freedom is creating an atmosphere where people are being re-enslaved to corruption, re-enslaved to immorality and greed, using the gospel as this blanket forgiveness which says I can just live however I want to live and I'll still go to heaven because that's what grace has been defined as. So Peter is, is coming They have used, he said, clever words to convince people of this. And he is coming in a very different spirit. Here's what he says in uh, 16 through through 21 in, in chapter 1. Why don't I read it up here so we're all reading the same thing. For we were not making up clever stories 
when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. I'm going to continue to read this, but I want, to, I want to stop here. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. This is when Jesus shows his glory to three of his disciples. It's just Peter, James, and John. They see Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. They see him in his Glory, they behold him, they hear the voice of God. Moses and Elijah represent the, the, the Old Testament. This is not some new thing. This is the fulfillment of the old. This is God putting together before his apostles. This is the fulfillment of who I am, the fulfillment of the ages, the fulfillment of all of the promises. Peter said, listen, I'm not making this up. I was there. I was an eyewitness of that majestic glory. I heard the voice of God from heaven. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. Both Moses and Elijah are the prophetic voices of old. Here we go. That you may pay... Okay, where are we? You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. He's saying, listen. The word of God is not yours to, to twist around and make it say whatever you want to say. That's not how you come to the word of God. We need to tremble before the word of God. We need to say, God, what does is, what is the word say? And, and let that change me. Let, let me change to conform to your word. Not, I'm going to bring what I wanted to say and then twist it around to make it what I want to because that's what's going on in that day. So he's coming with full apostolic authority and here's why he's doing it he says I just want you to make it I want you to make it you we live in a dangerous time and I want you to make it he says my time's almost over this isn't about me it's about you This is about me reminding you of what the truth is, reminding you of what the gospel is. I want you to make it, but it's more. It's more than Peter saying it. It's God saying it. God looks at every single one of us, and he says this to you. I love you. I am for you. I died for you, and I want you to make it. And you are in danger of being deceived. The gospel had been tainted in that day. And the interesting thing about 2 Peter is it could have easily been written today in America. Pastor Tom, how has the gospel been twisted in America? Well, it comes innocently with little phrases that become people's theology. Here's one. I'm, have you ever heard this? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Doesn't that sound humble and holy? Here's the problem. If that's all the gospel does for you, then it leaves you as a sinner. And of course, what do sinners do? They sin. It gives you a license to sin. I've got grace, but grace doesn't make me anything new. It doesn't change me. It leaves me as a sinner. It only forgives me. And so I get, I get to go to heaven one day, but down here, uh, I'm, a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Get off my back. Get off my case. Just a sinner. 
Here's another one. This was on bumper stickers forever. I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. What, 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 Pastor Tom, what's wrong with that? Are you trying to say we're supposed to be perfect? No, I'm not. God knows none of us are perfect. He's followed us around, he knows. But if, if, if all we are is just, what does just mean? Only. I'm only forgiven. This is all the gospel does for me, is forgives me. Friends, the gospel does more than forgive you. The gospel that is from heaven does more than forgive you. It invites you to transformation. It invites you to a transformed life. It calls you into the very image and the beauty of God. And here's the problem. If you want to be forgiven, but you don't want to be changed, you want Jesus as Savior, but you don't want him as Lord, then what you have to do when the Holy Spirit comes, because he will take us just as we are. It is just like that sign says out there. Come as you are. God loves you right now, right where you are. He will take you just as he is, just as you are. But you have to take him just as he is. And he will invite you. He will pull you. He will convict you. And what you have to do If you don't want that, no, 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 I just want to be forgiven. I don't want to change. You have to shut that voice down. And what happens is you become hard. You become hardened. And and the scary thing about being hardened is you can still be religious. Still go to church, but you're hard. And your life looks exactly like everybody else's in America, but you just have a different theology. And your theology is I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. I'm just a, uh, I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace and that's all I am and that's what I have accepted and that's what I have settled for. And I fully expect to go to heaven one day but I'm gonna do whatever I want to down here. Here's the problem. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is not just calling us to share the gospel. He's calling us to become the gospel. He's calling us not just to share a message. He wants our lives to become the message. He wants people to look at us and see grace and see beauty and see something more than just us. And when we have a message, but our lives are not that message, we convince the world that the gospel is not true. It's not work, it clearly doesn't work for you, so why would it work for us? And if that's who God is, that God, you just gotta pray this prayer and then you get in and, you, and, and that's, that's what the gospel is, that can't be true. Even the world knows that can't be true. That somehow this is just a free pass. If you prayed the right prayer, came to the right altar, got dunked in water, then you're in. And, and, and that's, all, that's all Christianity is. The world knows that, that can't be true. If there is a God, that certainly is not true. And so Peter's coming, and he's using apostolic anointing to say, listen, God is calling us to transformed lives. So I want to talk about, that's point two, this invitation to a transformed life. He starts by saying this. By his own glory and excellence, God has called us. One translation says, by his own glory and goodness, God has called us. This is so important. The gospel doesn't begin with you. It begins with him. It doesn't begin with who we are. It's about who he is. He is calling us. He is inviting us to something higher by his own glory, by his own goodness. He doesn't start with us. He starts with him. When, when, when he does the, a miracle in front of Peter with the, the catching of the fish, Peter says, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Remember that? Get away from me. We, we, how can we even be in the same boat? Your holiness and my sinfulness. 
And you remember what Jesus said to him? Don't, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Peter, I'm not looking at what you're going to make yourself. You think you're wicked? It's way worse than you think it is, Peter. You've got only a taste of how bad it is. But that's okay, because I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at me. I'm looking at what I'm able to do. By his own glory and by his own goodness, God calls us in the gospel not to become what we have earned through our performance. He calls us not by our performance and what we think we deserve. He calls us by the promises of his own love. We are not called to become what we deserve. We are called to become what he promises us in his love. And he says this next. He has given us great and precious promises to transform us. The promises of God to transform us. First he talks about, actually, It's not first, but it's in this passage. The forgiveness of sins. That when people are not growing anymore, when people stop growing and they they insulate themselves, they have forgotten. They have forgotten that their sins are are purified, that their, their sins are forgiven. They've gotten away from even acknowledging sin and guilt and shame and they've hardened themselves and they're no longer living as people that are forgiven, have, have received a washing, have received a purification. The gospel does not earn forgiveness if you're a good person. The gospel starts with forgiveness. It starts with his finished work. He says, it is finished. It is finished is one Greek word, telesky. It is an accounting term. It means paid in full. Jesus has paid in full for every one of your sins and my sins. For the Christian, there is no judgment on sin. There is a judgment. It happened 2,000 years ago on a cross. This is the gospel. We start by being forgiven. No guilt, no shame, no, nothing to haunt us of what we've done. Jesus paid the price. He shed his blood. He has paid justly for all of our sins so that we would have a new beginning. It is a beginning. It is not an ending. It is a beginning so that we can grow up in him, so that we can now add diligence to our faith. It is not the end. It is the beginning of the gospel is forgiveness. It is finished. Precious promises. He gives a precious promise of eyesight. He says those who have forgotten and become short-sighted or blind. It's interesting what the Bible's definition of spiritually blind is. It's a synonym for short-sighted. When all you are thinking about is this life, when all you're thinking about is what you can get right now and what pleasure you could fulfill right now, you are blind spiritually. The, The Bible's calling you to live higher than animals. The whole judgment of 2 Peter 2 about those that are are, are rearranging the gospel for their own pleasures so that they can give themselves to immorality and greed and use the gospel, use God, and still have it all in this world. He says they're going to perish like beasts because that's what they've chosen. They've just lived for this world. They've just lived for pleasure right now. They've just sought comfort. And any doctrine that would comfort them and tickle their ears, that's what they have brought and established. And of course, they get a following. Remember Esau? Esau was spiritually blind. Why? Because he was short-sighted. He took the, the one meal now and traded off his birthright. It says in Genesis, he despised his birthright. He despised that which was of ultimate long-term 
eternal value in that birthright was not only the future double portion of his father's wealth, but all of the spiritual promises that were given to Abraham. And he chose a meal right now over all of that. If if you and I are going to walk in a transformed life, we're going to need his eye salve. We're going to need, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. I have got eyes so that you can see what I see. So that you can start valuing those things that I value. And not just live right now to make it as easy and comfortable for yourself right now. The gospel's calling us to something higher. It's calling us to be transformed. He says, great and precious promises to transform us. He gives us first forgiveness then he gives us eyesight to see eternity and not just the things that are temporary. And then he says he may, has made us partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. I want you to just envision God's own glory, God's own goodness. He has given us these promises and this was his intent to release in us his very presence, his very glory, his very nature, that we would be adopted as the favored sons and daughters of God and we would begin to look like him through transformation, not through sin behavior modification, but through transformation because he's put his own life inside of us. That's what the new nature is. So I'm reading a book right now someone in the church gave me called the Divine Conspiracy by Dallard, Dallas Willard. And the little subtitle underneath is Recapturing Our Hidden Life in God. Recapturing Our Hidden Life in God. And he tells the story in that book about uh, his upbringing. He was brought up in southern Missouri and when he was a boy, he said the only electricity in our whole town was lightning. <laughs> it, was, it was inaccessible to help anybody. So what you do if you don't have electricity is you, you find a way to do everything without electricity. And he said, and then the day came when the, the electric company came to town and electricity was now available. And he said, this is... This is what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God, to make it accessible, to make the electricity of God, the very power of God, the very presence of God available right now. And he said, repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And so he tells the story about many in his little farming town, they didn't want to go to electricity. They, they want to do it the old way. So they did, st- still were doing the kerosene lamps and they were still doing the, the, the cooking over the fire pit and, and, and they're still doing the washing board instead of a, a, a washer. And he said, this is how it is in the church. And the Lord is saying, <laughs> This isn't about your power. This isn't about you making a New Year's resolution. This is about my, I have made myself. My own power is available to you. My own presence is available to you. My own nature is available. Repent. Repent from doing it yourself. Repent from doing it your own way. Repent from just going through the motions. I am here and I have given you everything you need for life and for godliness. But I I need you to stop doing it your way and, and receive from me. Do you know what your way of doing Christianity leads to? It, lead, it, might, it might lead to a fierce commitment. Lord, I will die for you. These all might fall away, but I will die for you. And Jesus just looks at Peter and shakes his head. Peter, before the, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. Three times that you even know me. You just said you were gonna die for me and you won't even be, confess me before little girls. 
That's, that's your way. That's your energy. That's without God's help. But he says in Luke 22, he says, I prayed for you. I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail, that when you have returned, you will strengthen your brothers. When he prays that Peter's faith will not fail, and he says, I prayed for you, and the enemy's come to sift you. He's using your cockiness to sift you. Pride is an open door for the enemy. He is coming through that door of pride, and the, the, he's using your cockiness. And so before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. But I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. When Jesus says, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail, he is not praying that Peter won't deny him three times, that Peter will be strong enough to not deny him. No, no, he's going to deny him three times. That's done. That's already done. You know what he's praying for? That his faith won't fail? He's praying that Peter will get up again. That Peter, when he sees his own inability to live for God, his own inability, even however committed he is, however zealous he is, to not be able to live the Christian life, he's praying that Peter's faith will not fail, that he'll recognize at that point, this was never about me. This is about him. This wasn't about my ability, it was about his ability. And Peter, I've, I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail, that you will get back up. And Peter, when you get back up, you're going to strengthen your brothers. You know why you're going to strengthen them? Because Peter, right now, you're a disaster. You're not going to help anybody by saying you're better than everybody. You're the greatest Christian and you're going to make it and everybody else is going to fail. But Peter, that doesn't bless anybody. But you're going to be broken. You're going to know it's not about you. So you're going to help other people know it's not about them. It's about my glory and my grace and my goodness that I have made available to my beloved children. And if, if they have failed, it's only one more step towards them succeeding. Failure in the Christian life is one more confirmation that you can't do it yourself. That you need his divine power, his divine nature. You need to get hooked into the electricity of heaven. Come on. So I want to thank you for sending me last week, uh, the last two weeks to Mexico. Our missions committee approved this trip. Part of it was, I took vacation days, but part of it was missions. And last Sunday, we were not just here, we were also in Mexico. I, I, uh, when I say we, I, I mean it. I was sent out from this church where I minister, City Church is ministering. Where, when, when I bring God's blessing, it is this church blessing the world and releasing me to go or any other missionaries here to go. It is, it is our way of impacting the world. And um, our, our missionaries there, we had Josh and Ann, Angel, Ann is my daughter, I did a whole day seminar on the book of Luke one weekend and training leaders. And the next weekend, I was with Holly and uh, Noe Clemente. And they are kind of like youth pastors over all of the youth ministries in a very large church that has three campuses. And I can tell how people feel about Holly and Noe by the way they treat me. Because when I'm introduced as Holly's pastor, these people are absolutely all in trusting we want whatever you have. That, that speaks a lot about our missionaries. And so, uh, so I did a Saturday night leadership thing and then I spoke on each of their three campuses which meant a lot of driving around. But um, here's how I had decided to do it. I do, did my message, do my prayer, like I always do the prayer at the end for everybody so nobody feels like they have to stay. But then I, I just said it would be a privilege for me if you would like personal prayer um, to come up. And there's something very powerful about being in another culture where, where you don't know anyone. Speaking a different language and 
when these people came up, I didn't, they didn't tell me anything because I was praying God would prophesy, that God would just speak, that God would speak. They would know that it was God because there's no way I could know anything about them or their circumstances or whatever. And um, So, oh my, oh my, did they want prayer. So I ended up praying for an hour and a half after every service for four people. Poor Holly is next to me interpreting everything that I'm saying. And the glory of God is touching these people. I knew it. It was so unexpected with the first one. I, I, I go to pray and the glory of God is just resting there. And I know this person is going to fall over if somebody doesn't get behind them. And I'm just like, you know, come on. And boom, God was just, it was like God was just waiting to speak and to touch. And Holly's my interpreter. Of course, Holly knows these people. Holly knows the stories that are behind it. And she said, she tells me the next day, she says, Tom, there were so many times that I was just clenching my fist to not pour, just start bawling because of how God was speaking. She told me about this one lady whose um, mom had died recently and she had been very close to her mom, but since her mom died, she has not been able to, she just has, she's been stuck in a prison of pain and loneliness and heart sickness and so this lady comes up, and this is what I, I, I started, pre- and trust me, I was not, I don't think, I just start going. I just assume it'll be there. It's kind of like speaking in tongues. You just start speaking, and it's there. And, and here's what I said over her. God wants you to know that he is not just your father, but he is also your mother. And he he wants you to know that your identity is not, is not pain. It has been pain. You are like Jabez. Jabez means pain, but Jabez prayed, bless me. Make my, make my identity in your blessing. Make, make your, my identity in your hand upon me. Keep me from pain. Keep me from causing pain. I don't want to live by the identity that I have been assigned by my mom. I don't want the identity assigned by this world. I don't want the identity that I assigned to myself. I don't want that limited identity. And I'm praying. I I said, God's inviting you to make a new home. You've had an address called pain. And he's inviting you to live at a new address called his presence. And she's weeping and she falls over and God's, I said, the waves of God are healing you to prepare you for your new home, his presence. We have been made in the divine nature. That's how you are born again. You are born again by his nature in you and your new home is his presence. I, I understand we all live in this world. I understand we all are walking around. But spiritually, your identity is not pain. It is his presence. It is not sin and addiction. It is his presence. This is what he died for. This is what he is calling you to. This is what he is calling me to. Great and precious promises to transform our lives. And then he makes precious promises to those who will engage in that process. To those who say, yes, I'm going to give diligent. Three times, Peter says, be diligent about this. Be diligent about this. Add these things, not by behavior modification, but because of what is in you, because of what God has done for you. Act now in response to these promises in a wholehearted way. Give your life to being transformed. And if you do, here are the promises that God has for you. First, he says this. You will not be unproductive or unfruitful. You will have a fruitful life. You will have a purposeful life. He never said you were gonna have a comfortable life. He never said you were going to have an easy life. See, that's, that's where we get off, especially in America, because we think the promises of God mean it, they're the same promises of America, that I will be insulated from trouble. That's not what Jesus promised. He promised fruitfulness. He promised purpose. 
He says, if you will be diligent and you will give yourselves to these things. Secondly, he says, you are going to become confident in your calling. Your assurance is going to grow. You will never stumble. You will never go back because your confidence is growing that I really am saved. I really am the elect. This is not just a theology that we believe at our church. This isn't just what my pastor believes or what my mom believes or what the a book says. This is about me. This is about me changing. And this is why I always encourage people I always encourage people, don't just look out the windshield and see how far you have to go. And how this is what Jesus is calling to me, and I'm way, 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 way back here. That's probably true. But don't just look through the windshield. You've got to look through into the rearview mirror just as much as you look in the windshield and say, but praise God I'm not where I was. Praise God I used to be there and now I'm here. Praise God I used to be addicted to that and now I'm free from that. I used to have this. I used to be afraid all the time. Now I'm only afraid once in a while. I used to have this going all the time. Now it's, I'm getting victory and praise God. The grace of God is evident in my life. We need to take time to thank God. We need to thank God for what he's done, where we've been, where he, how far he has brought us already. It gives us strength to go forward. And then his, here's the last promise that he gives. If you will give diligence to your faith, if you will pursue these things, here's the third one. You're going to receive an abundant welcome into heaven. The NIV says a rich welcome into heaven. Guys, I don't know how you feel about it. I don't want to barely catch the bus. I don't want to be so tied to this world that when the bus to go to heaven is here that I'm just barely getting out. I want, I want to be in the front ready to go. I want to be waiting, ready, looking for his appearing. I want to live. Even though I'm in this world and I'm working for him and I want to be about his things and I, I, I want to, I, I've got one eye always waiting for him to come. I want that rich welcome. I don't want to barely make it. I don't want to get through on the skin of my teeth. I I want a rich welcome in heaven. And here's the cool thing. God wants that for every one of us. He wants that for us. So it's, it's surgery and physical therapy. Can we have that image up here? Surgery, we're going to talk about the surgery next week. It is the foundation of our faith. There are some things, when you get hurt, when you get broken, Joel had an accident. He gave me permission to share it. A motorcycle accident. He broke two bones in his lower leg that have affected his ankle and his foot. And the, the first step in getting better, Joel couldn't do for himself. A surgeon had to do those things. That is how faith starts. Our faith is founded on surgery. Uh, There's something wrong with the human race called sin. There's something broken in us. We're not like just a little off and if we just made a few adjustments. No, no. We're broken in a way that we become uh, set against God. God has to come in surgery. That's what salvation is. Only he can do it. We, all we do is accept Christ. He comes in and he has to do that work of surgery. And we'll talk about that more next week. The diligence is now Physical therapy. Physical therapy is really hard. Joel's telling me, they, they put you in pain because you need to do this to get better. Surgery itself will not transform your life. You now have to work with the surgery. You actually have to, and look at, Jesus is that guy in the blue. He'll help you with your physical therapy. He will do everything with you. He will get you going. Joel has come so far in the last six months. But you know what he told me? He said, every morning when I wake up, the pain is the same as when I had surgery and I don't know if I can walk. And isn't that like the Christian life? (laughs) Don't you have those moments where you're wondering if you're even saved? could I possibly still be dealing with this or still have that thought or still don't worry you're saved 
You're just, we're just still in physical therapy. We're still in physical therapy. We're, we're going to work out these things and we're going to do a, a week on each one of these qualities that we need to gain in ascending order to become true lovers, to become strong in God's love and to be able to love other people. And we're going to get them not by our behavior modification, but by working with the surgery that God has put on us, working with our physical therapist to start getting these things into our life in an increasing way. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, we'll end with this. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We, we aren't trying to get saved. We're, God has already saved us in his surgery. We are simply working that out. We're working that out with fear and trembling because God himself is the life and the energy inside of us. All right, could we stand, please? Here are the, the worship team can come back. Here are the two calls that I want to pray for. One is Jesus the lion and the other is Jesus the lamb. Here's here's the lion call. You are here today and you have heard the lion's roar over your life. And it he's come loud and he's come strong and you you realize that you're in danger because of sin. You're in danger because of deception, because of the spirit of the age, and today he's calling you to repent. He's calling you just to agree with him and to say, God, I don't want to live the way I have been living anymore. I, I, I want to repent. I don't want you just as Savior. I want you as Lord. And he's here today, and he's calling you to repent. Could everybody bow their head and close their eyes just for a moment? Because this isn't about you and me. This isn't about you and your neighbor. This isn't, this isn't looking around to find out who's repenting. This is, this is you've heard the lion roar. If that is you, I just want you to open up your arms right now. I want to pray for you. Just open your arms to the receive position. If, that's you, if you want to see what that looks like, just look up at me right now, just like this. God wants to do something for you right now. Lord, when you call us, when you roar over us to break deception, it is pure love. You want us to make it. You don't want us to deceive ourselves. So Lord, we repent right now not just of our addiction, not just of our immorality, not just of our greed, not just of our worldliness. We repent of the way we've tried to overcome them, which has been our own power, and and not use your electricity. Lord, save us. Save us. Empower us. Change me. Lord, I remove all judgments I have for the people around me that I realize I use those to make myself feel better. Everybody else should change. The whole world should change, just not me. Lord, no, I have to change. Please, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I am a sinner, but I'm not just a sinner. I am your son. I am your daughter. Lord, fill me now. Can you just let the blood of Jesus wash over you right now? He wants to remove the guilt. He wants to remove the fear. He wants to remove the shame. Doesn't matter how long it's been. Doesn't matter how many times. That's why he died, so we could get a new beginning. Take it. Take it. Take it. The Holy Spirit's inviting you. But uh, Tom, I'm too hard. I'm that guy that's hard in his heart. Hey, that's okay. 
Holy Spirit can soften your heart. Just acknowledge I'm hard. I've hardened myself. That's my main sin is I've hardened myself. Lord, come and soften me again. Holy Spirit, come and break open that which I have hardened because I want to have you as my Lord. In Jesus' name. The second call, and I'm going to ask the ministry teams to come for this one. Jesus is coming as a lamb. And he's coming very gently, but but your address has been pain. And I saw, I saw Jesus come into this lady's prison of pain and speak things that only he could speak and touch her in a way that only he could touch her. And, and, he, and he brought her to a new, a new identity. I understand pain. I understand going through things that have created devastation in your life. We can't stop those things from happening. But we can decide whether that's going to be the address for the rest of our life. I am sorry for the people that have died. I'm sorry for the betrayals you have received. I'm sorry for the the diagnosis that is over you. But you're the one that gets to decide whether that's your identity the rest of your life. Jesus is looking at you today just like he was looking at that lady. And he's saying, are you going to stay in pain or are you going to come? I've got an identity in my presence. I've got an identity. It's not over unless you say it's over. And so if that's you, as we dismiss, we're going to just go back to worship. I'm going to ask everybody to leave the sanctuary as a place of prayer. If you want to talk, go out in the hall. We're going to leave the lights down. Please get your children. But if that's you, I'd like you to come up and uh, we're going to have some ministry. I hope we have some ministry teams up here to help me. We're going to pray for people. So God bless you.